Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Monday, July 6. I'm Andrea Linares, and these are today's headlines. The coronavirus crisis in the United States showing no signs of letting up. At least 32 states seeing a rise in cases as hospitals in some parts of Texas reach capacity. And despite the surging outbreak numbers, President Trump announcing another rally this time outdoors in New Hampshire in just a matter of days. And a tragic end to the search for Vanessa Guillen, the 20-year-old soldier now confirmed dead after remains were found near the military base where she was stationed. As cases surge and hospitalization rates increase in many states, people all over the country packed beaches this weekend to celebrate the 4th of July. Florida reaching a new record for confirmed cases and Texas now mandating masks. As officials worry, reopening may have happened too fast. Lorraine Caceres has the latest. A weekend of celebration across the country as cases of coronavirus keep rising in more than 30 states, with Arizona, Texas, Florida, and California reporting record infection rates. Millions of Americans heeding warnings to either stay home or mask up, but others ignoring the recommendations. At Diamond Lake in Michigan, partiers packed together. God bless the people who are observing social distancing and wearing masks, and I'm so sad the others are not. In Florida, people flocking to open beaches. This weekend, the state's setting another record, more than 21,000 new cases reported. There's no doubt that the fact that we opened and the city of Miami was the last city in the entire state of Florida to open. I was criticized for waiting so long, uh, but there's no doubt that the fact that when we reopened, people started socializing as if the, the virus didn't, didn't exist. Some lawmakers now requesting the governor order a statewide mandate to wear masks. The governor's office responding in a statement. Governor DeSantis has proven that if you inform residents of the risks and provide them with the important information that will keep them safe, they will do the right thing, which is how Florida previously flattened the curve and will do so again. That was successful without imposing a statewide mask mandate. In Texas, masks are now mandated in every county. The goal behind the mask requirement is to ensure that we will be able to continue to open up Texas for business while also protecting the health and safety of our fellow Texans. Many still refusing to mask up as counties like Starr and Hidalgo hit full capacity at hospitals even before the weekend. In Harris County, Houston officials sounding the alarm. The number of people in our ICU beds has exponentially increased. In fact, if we don't get our hands around this virus quickly, uh, in about two weeks, our hospital system could be in serious, serious trouble. In California, the positivity rate has jumped 42% over the last two weeks. The LA County Health Director says there might not be enough beds for a COVID surge, requesting hospitals implement decompression plans to handle the stress on capacity. 
In Arizona, the mayor of Phoenix is saying that reopening there happened too fast. They were the last ones to announce any restrictions and the first ones in the country to open. Meanwhile, we're learning that in that city, at least eight Secret Service agents are stuck there right now with coronavirus after the vice president visited that city last week. Meanwhile, in South Florida, the mayor of Miami-Dade, due to the rise in cases, is rolling back on reopening, announcing new restrictions, reclosing restaurants for dine-in, still open for delivery and takeout, also closing party venues and gyms. That's the information we have right now. Andrea, back to you. Thank you, Lorraine. Excellent reporting. And wear a mask, social distance, wash your hands. We've heard this message over and over the past several months. But depending on where you live, these things may or may not be enforced. And that mixed message, leaders say, is just stoking the virus. Rafael Rodriguez has more on growing calls for unity in the face of the pandemic. We're not on the same page. There's not unity in the you know, in our community or any community right now. State by state, county by county, or even city by city, each coming up with their own rules, or lack thereof, on how to combat the coronavirus. And many feel the pressure mounting with cases surging over the last couple weeks to record highs. We had to beg to be able to implement masking orders. Local leaders say a lack of federal mandates on measures like masks create challenges, making their jobs tougher. Mixed messaging from the White House, including this statement from the president Saturday night. Now we have tested almost 40 million people. By so doing, we show cases, 99% of which are totally harmless. That's not true, according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. It estimates that 35% of cases are asymptomatic. But not even the commissioner of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration was willing to admit the president's claims were inaccurate. I uh, totally support the CDC, so I'm not going to get into who's right and who's wrong. Rafael Rodriguez, U News. Meanwhile, the House and Senate have left for recess without addressing the alarming new rising coronavirus infections. This now sets up an intense struggle when they return over what might be the final major relief package for the pandemic. Ignoring Democrats' demands for immediate action, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has focused on other issues in recent weeks, such as an annual defense policy bill and confirming President Trump's nominees. When the Senate comes back into session on July 20th, McConnell plans to turn his attention back to the coronavirus, giving lawmakers just three weeks to negotiate and pass a big rescue bill before they take a break again through Labor Day. And today we are learning more about how coronavirus is spread and the dangers of doing something as simple as talking or sneezing. A group of health experts warns that even tiny droplets from your mouth or nose can linger in the air and penetrate more deeply into your lungs. 239 scientists from around the world are planning to publish an open letter today to the World Health Organization and other health agencies asking them to be more forthright in explaining how the virus can transmit in the air. And the toll of the coronavirus growing even more tragic. Broadway actor Nick Cordero dying after a 95-day struggle with COVID-19. His wife posted on Instagram that he passed, surrounded in love by his family on Sunday. 
Cordero faced severe complications from the virus that forced the amputation of his leg. Cordero was nominated for a Tony Award for his role in Bullets over Broadway in 2014. He was known as a tremendously talented performer and received praise from many in the Broadway and arts communities. Nick Cordero was just 41 years old. Rest in peace. And now to the Trump presidency. Over the weekend, President Trump delivering a pair of speeches in honor of Independence Day, vowing to protect the nation's monuments, many of which have been defaced or brought down, and also offering strong words against what he called, quote, the radical left. President Trump set to visit New Hampshire on Saturday, July 11th. His campaign confirming the visit as the nation struggles to contain the coronavirus pandemic. I'm a high-risk guy. I'm not concerned one bit. You know what I mean? I took a beating for 22 years in the Marines, my body. I'm not worried about it. Campaign staffers said the outdoor rally will be held at the Portsmouth International Airport. This would also be the president's fifth major public event since the virus outbreak began back in March. Supporters hoping to attend will also need to acknowledge the risk of exposure of contracting COVID-19. The campaign saying in a statement, there will be ample access to hand sanitizer and all attendees will be given a face mask that they are strongly encouraged to wear. Meanwhile, the president delivering a speech on Independence Day, comparing the U.S.'s fight against Nazis and terrorists to his efforts to defeat the radical left in the U.S. and accusing social justice protesters of trying to destroy America. We are now in the process of defeating the radical left, the Marxists, the anarchists, the agitators, the looters, and people who, in many instances, have absolutely no clue what they are doing. Democrats reacting. We should be talking about the fact that COVID-19 is experiencing a resurgence. And both this president and the man he put in charge of the uh, pandemic response team, um, the vice president, have both failed miserably at their jobs. Trump also vowing to protect the nation's monuments. We will never allow an angry mob to tear down our statues, erase our history, indoctrinate our children or trample on our freedoms. But an hour away in Baltimore, this one came toppling down. The statue of Christopher Columbus ripped off its pedestal, then thrown into the inner harbor. The president's speech coming on the heels of his first at Mount Rushmore Friday night in front of thousands of supporters, few wearing masks. Our nation is witnessing a merciless campaign to wipe out our history, defame our heroes, erase our values, and indoctrinate our children. As the Trump campaign continues to plan events, the White House still remaining mostly silent over the latest controversy about Russia allegedly paying Taliban-linked militants to kill U.S. soldiers. The White House only insisting that Trump wasn't briefed on the assessments because they hadn't been verified. And now to Los Angeles, where a beloved taco chain has temporarily closed its doors after staff was harassed over the restaurant's policy requiring face masks. In a statement posted last week, they said the following, quote, Our taco stands are exhausted by constant conflicts over guests refusing to wear masks. Staff have been harassed, called names, and had objects and liquids thrown at them, end quote. Now, most of the staff is Latino. 
Joining me now is Nabor Diaz Prado. He's the chef de cuisine at Hugo's Tacos. Chef, welcome to You News, and thank you so much for joining us on this Monday. Please go ahead and talk to us about this decision to close both stands. What are some of the things that were happening that prompted this temporary shutdown? Well, I think you were having it. Well, the main reason was about it. It got so bad when customers didn't want to wear a mask. Uh, uh, and refusing to wear a mask and refusing to respect uh, our uh, employees that we had to shut down. We decided to shut down because the safety of our crew is comes first. Question. The statement that you guys also released also says, quote, a mask isn't symbolic of anything other than our desire to keep our staff healthy. Talk to us about what is meant by that. It means that it has no uh, politics wearing a mask. is safety is respect to other people around you you letting other people know that you care for their lives and that's why you're wearing a mask and uh it's really simple we stated uh, no mask no tacos and we're gonna keep with uh, with those uh, guidelines why do you think the debate over wearing masks has ignited such passion i mean as you said it's just out of respect especially the elderly perhaps that are the most vulnerable uh correct and um for us, it's, it's, it's just uh, respect. It's taking care of one another. I mean, it's really simple to, to wear a mask. It has nothing to do with politics. Again, it's like you have to be conscious around what's going on around you. Despite the closing, your customers have been extremely supportive along the way, leaving flowers at the counters, but also raising $50,000 for your staff. What's your reaction to that? It was a great reaction. I mean, the support we got from the media, the support we got from our uh, neighbors and uh, customers is been overwhelming. It's been really good. I mean, raising that amount of money for our employees, uh, it was unbelievable. Is there a reopening day planned in the near future? Uh, yes, we're planning to open this week, anytime soon this week. Well, hopefully sooner than later, and we wish you the very best of luck. Please stay safe and make sure your customers also stay safe. Thanks so much for your time, Chef Nabor Diaz Prado well, of Hugo's Tacos and Hugo's Restaurants. Thanks so much. Great. Thank you. Last week, after more than two months of searching for 20-year-old Army soldier Vanessa Guillen, a set of remains were found near Fort Hood in Texas. Now there are new details in that investigation. Pedro Rojas joins us from Waco, Texas, with the latest developments. Pedro. As you said, Andrea, there's a lot of developments. The last 48 hours have been pretty active in this case. For one, for on, on one hand, the family attorney announced yesterday that the military have confirmed to them that the rest of the, the remains found near the river here south of Waco and Belton, the Belton area are those that belong to Vanessa Guillen. Now, this is the family attorney and the family that has stated it. So far, the Fort Hill authorities have not confirmed this information. On the other hand, just about a few minutes ago, it wrapped up a hearing inside this federal courthouse in Waco, Texas, with the presence of Cecilia Ann Aguilar, the second suspect in this case. She is the strange uh, girlfriend of Aaron Robinson, the soldier that took his life last week after he was basically surrounded by authorities. He was, uh, according to authorities, designated as the main suspect in the case, the, this case, the person that took the life of Vanessa Guillen and eventually took her 
took her body to the river where she was dismembered and eventually burned and buried. Now, Cecily, Cecily Aguilar is accused of collaborating and is accused of tampering with the evidence in this case, and therefore she's now in jail in a local county here in Waco, Texas. She is being arraigned at this point. She was arraigned today, and the judge decided to call her back into court on July the 14th in the morning hours, and she will then uh, hear whether the judge is going to allow to keep her in jail or she will allow to she will be allowed to place bond. Now, one of the local reporters that was able to go inside the court during the hearing, he says that the authorities play a phone call that was monitored by the police before uh, Aaron Robinson took his life, and apparently they both admitted that they participated in the, in the dismembering of the body of Vanessa Guillermo in that call. That was a shocking moment during this hearing today. And also, uh, Cecily Aguilar here, the, the charges that she's facing, and she says, okay. She said that she understood what she's facing from the jail. Now, this whole hearing, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, was done through Zoom. So reporters could only see Cecily uh, Aguilar through, the, through this screen where she was at. Now, let's hear what the attorney said in regards of how terribly and difficult was to recognize the remains of Vanessa Guillén. They couldn't um, identify with, the, with their dental examination. They couldn't confirm her, um, whether it was her with the dental because her uh, Vanessa's uh, face was bashed in so badly there was no teeth for them to identify. Um, so that's why they had to send her body to uh, Dover Air Force Base to get examined in that fashion uh, and confirm that it was her. That's why it took a lot longer than they expected. Now, in the last few hours also, in the last, over the weekend, there were candle vigils in Houston and many other cities across the nation. And also LULAC has called for all the families to refuse send their daughters into the Army as of now. Back to you, Andrea. So sad and so terrible to hear these uh, shocking details. Thanks so much for that reporting in Waco, Texas. And now in other news, a lawyer for the victims of Jeffrey Epstein believes Ghislaine Maxwell will also die in prison because she just knows too much. Epstein's uh, alleged co-conspirator was arrested by the FBI on Thursday on six charges of sex trafficking and perjury. An attorney for several of Epstein's victims in Florida said Maxwell may take her own life behind bars, but also added that powerful people may try and silence her. The socialite, who is the daughter of disgraced media mogul Robert Maxwell, faces up to 35 years in prison if she is found guilty. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The Senate will turn itself into a courtroom. The private border fence is being installed. A police officer and three people were killed inside a Jewish supermarket in Jersey City. U News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. U News on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. Meanwhile, closer to home, Mexican President Andrés Manuel López Obrador is scheduled to travel to Washington to visit with President Trump. It's the first time the two leaders will meet and the first foreign visit for AMLO since becoming president a year and a half ago. Ana Portella brings us a preview of what to expect. No soy un vendepatria. 
I'm not selling out my homeland. We can have a very good relationship with a country such as the United States without losing our decorum, our dignity. The stages set for the upcoming meeting between the President López Obrador and President Trump in the White House on July 8th. The Mexican president has been brushing off criticism for meeting with President Donald Trump during an election year. I think it's a bit risky for our president because Donald Trump is anti-Mexican. I think it's fine, but if it's for political reasons, it doesn't benefit us. Peña Nieto was supporting him. Officially, the aim of the meeting is to celebrate the start of the new North America Commercial Treaty. But many worry that the U.S. president will use his Mexican counterpart to appeal the Hispanic voters. In his 2017 book, the Mexican president defended migrants living in the U.S. from Trump's attacks. And in 2018, in an interview with Jorge Ramos, he called Trump a racist. However, he has since softened his stance towards his American counterpart. Is him a racist? Trump is a racist? Yes, yes, he encourages racism. In El Punto, Jorge Ramos recently asked the former National Security Advisor John Bolton his thoughts about the upcoming visit. I think that's very much on the president's mind. Donald Trump is very different from other presidents in that political calculations are uh, almost the only uh, things that he considers. This is why, for some, the upcoming encounter could turn into a repeat of the 2016 meeting between the then-Mexican president Enrique Peña Nieto and the GOP candidate Donald Trump in Mexico. I think it was a grave mistake. Miguel Basáñez was the Mexican ambassador to the U.S. until some months before that meeting. He believes both meetings are politically motivated. It shows the extreme pressure that the Trump administration has placed over uh, President López Obrador. But some analysts think that López Obrador is repaying a debt. It seems that President López Obrador is repaying what he owes Trump. And if he wins, it's better. And if in the end it's Biden, we will all come to an arrangement. In Mexico City, Ana Portella, U News. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.